2 Corinthians chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, the teaching, the sermon series um, that we're going to be in for the next few weeks is going to, is, will be called When We Pray. And so the question I want to ask is, when we pray, God fills in the blank. Um, we'll do this for about four weeks, um, maybe five or six. There are a few open weeks in February. We might push this on a little bit. But when we pray, God blanks. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 8. Let's stand together and read this together. Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. For as it is written, He is distributed freely, He is given to the poor, His righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Father, we thank you for your word. And we say amen to this. We say, let it be so. We need you today. Show us who you are. Amen. You can be seated. Um, The subject today, the idea today is when we pray, God does the most. When we pray, God does the most. Um, C.S. Lewis, in one of his uh, books, he says that every friendship starts with the phrase, oh, you too? I thought it was just me. Um, that's how all your friendship started. Um, there's someone here, Mike Corcoran. Um, he and I are friends. Um, our friendship started uh, when I had just started interning in Christchurch. It was June 5th, 2016. It was my first day preaching here. Um, I preached and I remember walking out to my car and there's a bald man who I do not know that's sitting on the hood of my car. Um, and I'm thinking, man, I've only been at this church for like a week. I'm about to have to fight somebody already. <laughs> <laughs> And I walk up to him and he says, are you a West Virginia fan? Because I had a West Virginia license plate. And I was like, yeah. He was like, me too. That friendship started with the, oh, you too? Um, I want to introduce you all to someone who I think we can have an oh, you too moment with. Um, if you want to find her, she's in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. Um, she's a single mother, um, young boy. Uh, she doesn't have a job. She lives in a society where uh, the food that people eat is predominantly grown in the ground. They're months into a drought right now, so there's no food for her to have. She says she has a, a pinch of flour and a handful of oil left. And I don't know what, what, what kind of situation would cause a mother to get to this point because she got to this point and she said, tonight's going to be our last meal. And after tonight, we're preparing to starve to death. And so she, she, she's preparing her and her boy's last meal. She goes outside to gather some sticks to start a fire. And this man, Elijah, this prophet walks by who, who's God's representative. And, 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 and God through Elijah makes a request of this woman and says, give me some bread. And this woman says, your God, uh, with your God as my witness, you know God. I only got a little bit. I, I barely have enough to live, let enough, let alone enough to give to you. Oh, you too? Have y'all ever felt? felt that pressure, you feel God's call to give, but you also feel as if you barely have enough to live. 
I feel God's call to give financially, but also feel like I barely have enough to pay my own bills. I feel God's call to give my time and energy, but also feel as if I barely have enough energy just to make it through a work day. I feel the call to give, but also feel as if I have barely enough just to live. And now that I, now that I sense that I barely have enough to live, I feel insecure. I feel helpless. I feel hopeless. I feel powerless. I feel unsafe. I won't halfway admit it to myself, but, but I, I, now I'm fixated on this thing and I tell myself, I, I'm alone in the pursuit of this thing that I'm lacking in. And now this thing has become the center of my thoughts. Why would you ask me to do this? I don't have that. I can't do this because I don't have that. I see them get that. Why didn't I get that? I saw them get get that. I should have gotten that. They got that. I'll never get that. What do you do? Because <laughs> also when I get in that point, I got this little bit. And bet not nobody. Not even Jesus himself ask me to give up this little bit. But here's the predicament. I, often God does make a demand on that little that you have. Yeah. So, so what do you do when you feel God's call to give, but you also feel as if you barely have enough to live? You all know what this series is about. The answer is prayer. We're in Sunday school here. But, but how do we pray? That, that's what I want to ask. How do we pray? When we feel God's call to give, but also feel as if we barely have enough to live. This is how I want to do it. I, I want to run through this text and I want to first show you what God can do. Because when we get a revelation of what God can do, that'll inform how we pray in this predicament. Does that sound good? So what can God do? Paul says, verse eight, God is able to make all grace abound to you. God is able to make a lot of grace come to you. God is able to give you a lot of grace. You get a lesson in grace at least once a year, at least once a year to varying degrees, especially when you're younger. There are a whole bunch of people that come to your house or take you to Maria's and, and they'll put on hats and they'll smile at you and they'll sing at you and they'll give you gifts and say, happy birthday, friend. What did you do to earn that gift? Come out of your mother? Good job. That that was an unworked for, unearned. That was a free gift. Grace, grace are these unearned, unworked for free gifts. Paul says God is able to, to give you grace. God is able to give you free gifts. But he doesn't just say that. He says God is able to make all grace abound to you. Uh, when I was younger, I used to watch this show on MTV called Sweet 16. And it was about... Um, the show for each episode focused on these 15 going on 16 year olds who are a part of rich and or celebrity families. And these rich parents didn't give their children the bare minimum of free gifts. I mean, there are episodes these parents are like, oh, you want a tiger here? You, you want a Lamborghini? Here's two. You didn't like the purple one? Here's a yellow one. You, you want a house? Here. You want Britney Spears to come sing you happy birthday? Here. You want monkeys to fly on top of your cake? Here. They, they didn't give her the bare minimum was a gift. They didn't just meet the bottom line with gifts. They, they showered her. They went over and above. They did the most in that gift giving. That's what Paul's saying when he's saying that God can make all grace abound to you. He's saying God does the most when it comes to giving you free gifts. Yeah. It, well, to, to what end, Paul? Paul says 
so that you might have all sufficiency in all things at all times. In other words, so that you might have enough. God does the most when giving you grace so that you can have enough. Now, he's talking to people who are about to give money. So Paul's saying God can do the most when giving you grace so that you can have enough resources. Listen to me, friends. Um, college kids, I love y'all because y'all always come to the same meeting. So I know which one to prep for for y'all to be here. Um, um, young adults, 20-year-olds, uh, newly married couples, people just getting financially established. Listen to me. God is able to make you have enough. This isn't prosperity. This is grace. He is able to make you have enough. I'm not saying you'll be rich. I'm not saying you'll have a black card. I'm not saying you'll have three cars in your garage. I'm saying like David, you'll be able to say, I lack nothing. He's able to make you have enough. I'm quoting David Garland. I'll quote him twice today, but I'm quoting or paraphrasing him right now when I say that God giving you these grace gifts, it covers a wide variety of things. But two things in specific, it's that God can change what you have and then God can change what you need. So the first one, God, God might give you the gift of stretching what you have. Um, Chelsea and I, uh, this was either right before we got married or right after we got married. We went down to my hometown and it ended up being pretty close to her birthday. So we celebrated her birthday with my family. Um, my family's massive. There's a lot of us, and most of us live in Oklahoma. So we get together, we get together often, and when we get together, all of us are there. So it's like 30 of us casually in this house ready to have cake for Chelsea's birthday. The only predicament is someone in my family whose job it was to get the cake decided to go to Walmart and get a little personal cake for like 30 of us. So we're sitting in this kitchen singing Chell's happy birthday. And as everyone's singing happy birthday, I'm looking at that cake and looking around thinking, which one of y'all ain't eating tonight? <laughs> I look at someone, oh, we can't eliminate you. You're my mom. Um, can't eliminate you. This is your house. Uh, we can't eliminate me. I'm her husband. And we can't eliminate her because it's her birthday. Um, so then we do uh, the obvious thing, the wise thing. We make Chell's choose who doesn't get cake. So we we gave her the knife and told her, here, you portion it out. My wife takes this little bitty cake and she cuts a slice and hands it to her kid, cuts a slice and hands it to another kid, cuts a slice, gets the adults, get through, gets through all the adults. We have some left over for like the dogs. And then my, my, my atheist uncle, after observing this, he yells, we got Jesus in the house. He recognized that. Similar to Jesus, my wife is able to take that little bit and spread it out so it's enough for a lot. God, he can take your little bit and spread it out to make it enough for a lot. God, he can take that little bitty paycheck you have and spread it out so it can be enough for all those bills. God can take that little bit of energy that you have and spread it out so it can go to your wife, your job, your church, and Jesus. God can take your little bit and spread it out so that it's a lot. Listen to me. Some of you have had enough for a while. You're comfortable. You haven't been stressed. And and here's our problem. We get to points like that and think we got us there. The fact that you've been done had enough is because of God. And what he's doing, he's trying to disciple you out of these senses that that I'm self-sufficient and I got myself here and I provided for myself. No, friends. Amazing grace. He'll give you that gift, but he'll also give you the gift of reducing what you need. Um, 
I fell in love with McDonald's at a young age um, and doubled down on that love marriage in um, college. So three, four nights a week, I'm at McDonald's because Ozark has dinner at 4.30 in the evening. Um, so I'm at uh, McDonald's at like, that's why they laugh because they know. Um, <laughs> oh boy. Um, so I'm at McDonald's at like 10.30 every night. Same order, three McChickens, large fry and a sweet tea. Three McChickens, large fry and a sweet tea. Three McChickens, large fry and a sweet tea. And I'm years of this, years of this, years of this. Jerron, how'd you keep that frame? I don't know. Years of this, years of this, years of this. And then I got married and I think Chelsea's gone or something. And I got desperate. And I remembered McDonald's is always there for me in my lowest moments. So, so I went to McDonald's and I ordered my same thing. Three McChickens, large fry and a sweet tea. And before I ever get out the parking lot, I'm inhaling fries and I'm gulping that sweet tea and I eat one McChicken and I only get halfway through that second McChicken. And I was like, am I fool? I thought I needed three McChickens. I only need one and a half McChickens now. My appetite shrank. In more than one way, that's a gift. God, him giving you the gift to have enough will look like him shrinking your appetite. He'll reduce your sense of what you think you need. He did it to Paul. It's this concept, contentment. Paul, the author of this letter, he was writing to his protege, his mentee, Timothy, and he says, godliness with contentment, godliness with the sense that I have enough is great gain. What do you need, Paul? Paul says, as long as I got somewhere to sleep and somewhere to eat, I'm good. And he'll do that same thing to you. Listen, we grew up in a society of excess. I don't care what your tax bracket is right now. You've grown up excessively. And God is discipling we, those of us who've grown up in excess, and he's discipling you to say this, say this word, no. Just let's practice here. Say that. No. You will be on Facebook and that thing you thought about popped up as an ad and you'll start to think, I actually need that vacuum cleaner. God is discipling you to say no. You, you will be with friends who make more money than you and you, you, you're fine. You weren't thinking about money this week. You're around friends who make more money than you and you'll convince yourself I need more and God is teaching you to say no. No, I don't need more. Because I have enough. God, he'll reduce your appetite. I think we just struck a chord there. The fact that we can look around and say we have enough, that ain't nothing but the grace of God. I I hope John Newton doesn't hate me right now from heaven, but I'm going to twist the song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that provided for a wretch like me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that feeds a wretch like me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that clothes and houses a wretch like me. I look at my car and know I have enough gas to get to work tomorrow. I look at my fridge and know what I'm eating tomorrow. I look at my bed and see pillows, and I say, that ain't nothing but the amazing grace of God. He gave me enough. Then Paul, he shows us God's purpose behind making us to have enough. Uh, Write this one down. God's grace is given to make you a giver. That's what Paul's whole thing is. He says, uh, you'll have sufficiency in all things at all times so that you can abound in every good work, a.k.a. give to this offering. That's what he says later down in verse 11. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous in every way. God wants to get it to you. 
God wants to get it to you. God wants to get it to you, but he doesn't want it to stay there. He wants to get it to you to get it through you. He's not given to you just to make you rich. He's given to you to make you generous. He's not given to you so you can climb up the social ladder. He's given to you so you can be generous. Let's cut money out of the picture. God's not giving you energy just so you can feel good. God's giving you energy so you can be generous with your energy. I wonder if we look at what we have different if we kept God's goal in mind. Like if I knew God's goal was for me to give this, I'd just start giving it. Like, like maybe I would, I wouldn't wait until I felt super comfortable before I started giving. I'd start giving now right where I'm at because that's God's purpose anyway. I'd start serving now, giving my time and energy now, regardless of how I feel because that's what God wants anyway. He, he wants you to be a river, not a reservoir. You, you direct water to a reservoir so it can stay there. You direct water to a river so it can flow through the river and go to other people and places that need it. God wants you to be a river. He's saying, I'm giving it to you to get it through you so it can go to other people with a need. And then what's God's ultimate vision? God gives to you and through you for his glory. When Paul says, verse 11, he says, Thanksgiving will be produced through this. Yeah. Later on, he says, God will be glorified to this. This is Matthew 5. Let people see your good works and they'll glorify God. How's that happen? Um, Paul's quoting that psalm, that quote that we read. Um, he has distributed freely, freely. That's Psalm 112. And he's probably quoting that psalm and talking about God. So Paul talks about us being generous and then talks about God's generosity. Uh, check this quote, David Garland. He says this. Um, the charitable acts of Christians then are all a part of the larger righteousness of God. Their righteous acts are taken as acts of God. Listen to me. You're a vehicle. You know that metaphor, we are the body of Christ? It's literal. You're the body of Christ. He's united you to himself. He works, lives, acts through you. You're the hands of Jesus, church. And he's extending those hands to people in need. Here's a, here's a theory I have. The gap between scripture and people's lived experience will close as we're open hands. The scripture says God's a provider. I think people will start glorifying God as provider as the church, the vehicle of his provision, will give open-handedly. Scripture says God, God cares for me. I think people will, will glorify God as we, the vehicle of that care, are open-handed and give it. He says, this is for my glory. So what can God do? God can give you enough to give through you for his glory. But that's not just what he can't. Let's not just talk about theory. Let's talk about actual experience. Let's talk about what God has done. Let's look at how God has done that. He, he did it for our friend. Uh, the story, First Kings 17, it ends. She ends up giving that bread, and it said she had enough for dinner that night. Then it said she had enough for breakfast the next morning. Then it said she had enough for the next day. Then she had enough for the next week. There are scholars who think Elijah stayed in that woman's house for months. This woman who said, I don't have enough for tonight, fed herself, her boy, and Elijah for months until that drought was over. 
God did it for her. God, God did it for this community. Can I just run through financially? I'm not taking up an offering, by the way. I'm testifying. Can I, can I, can I just run through our last year financially? I'm, I'm, I'm underestimating this by tens of thousands of dollars. We gave away at, gave away, just gave it at least a hundred thousand dollars last week, last year. At least. At least by a far shot, a hundred thousand dollars. I'm bad at math and went to Bible college. I stopped at a hundred thousand. You know, like at least 20 of that was during this past holiday season. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, we gave $20,000. While you're buying gifts, while you're traveling, while you're preparing meals, $20,000. There are people that show up every week, served by praying, served by anchoring, served by teaching our kids, served by cleaning, served by mowing the lawn, served by working stuff in the back. And check this. We all have lives. We all had other stuff to do. But God gave us enough of what we needed to live and give it. Thank you. Can I tell you about my family? Uh, I, I, I started grad school in April of um, 2020. I graduate this year. Um, three months, thank God. Um, um, so started grad school, graduate, or started in April of 2020. So getting prepped. To, to start to financially pay for this thing. Um, but it's 2020. So a lot of my extra income, which came from traveling and speaking, was cut off because none of us were getting on planes at that time. So I'm thinking, all right, it's going to be tight here today. And I'm praying one morning and felt uh, since as if God were to say, whatever extra bit of money you do get this year, you give a portion of that away. And I thought, Jesus, that ain't you. Um, but it was God. Uh, talked to Chelsea about it and started giving from that little bit that I thought I didn't even have yet. Um, I graduate in a few weeks, in a few months. We haven't missed a bill yet. Ain't been late on a house payment yet. Haven't missed a meal yet. Never gone a week without gas. Are tithing more this year. He gave us enough to live and give. This is what he did to us in Jesus. Paul, Paul, Paul in Ephesians chapter one, he says, God has blessed us with grace in the beloved. Literally, God has begraced us in the beloved. I watched this uh, game show Steve Harvey was hosting. Um, and there was this woman who her goal was to win $20,000 and, and not just $20,000, but Steve said also, if you do it right, we'll give you Will uh, everyone else here, the live viewing audience, the unicorns who have time to come watch one of these things, will we'll get $500 if you do this right. And how'd she do it? Steve said, all you got to do is walk into that glass tank. I'm going to press this button and money's going to fall on you. You just got to catch it. That, that tank is where she caught the riches. God's begraced us in Jesus. J- Jesus is where God's riches fall on us. That was real cheesy. Let me do another one. Um, <laughs> I have too much fun with this. Um, in um, my senior year of high school, me and some friends went on a cheap vacation that was called a mission trip. Um, <laughs> y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, we went to an orphanage one afternoon. Um, uh, so we we're in Puerto Rico and um, we're out um, touring. And our tour guide says, I want to take you out of these beautiful waterfalls. It's going to be great. So he drives us out to this um, body of water, and we don't see a waterfall right there. So we're like, dude, what's going on? 
I mean, he's like, no, I have to take you out on the boat a little bit further. And I'm thinking, I can't swim. You better keep us safe. And so he takes us to this cliff. And we got under this cliff. And that cliff was where the water perfectly met the edge of that cliff. And these beautiful, strong waterfalls. That, that spot is where the water fell. Here's another cheesy one. Jesus is where God's grace is poured out on you. Yeah. When you come to Jesus, you experience all of God's grace falling on you. Okay, here's a better one. Here's a better one. Um, this one, this one will work. Um, after my freshman year of Ozark, I, uh, I was going on a real mission trip to Albania, um, to do an internship over there. That's when I thought I was going to be a cross-cultural worker. And I needed a couple thousand dollars to pay for my, my food and my housing. And I had to have an interpreter that was with me that whole time. So this was a quite a bit of money I had to get together um, in about a five-month period. So I'm posting on Facebook and I'm asking people for money. And I'm hustling and I'm hustling and I'm hustling. And January goes by. February goes by. Uh, March, April, May goes by. And, and nothing comes in. Not a dollar. So I'm thinking, well, God, you don't want my feet to be the beautiful ones that bring the good news to <laughs> Southeast Europe, I guess somebody else's feet. And I woke up one Saturday morning and one of my assistant basketball coaches at Ozark, he sent me a message and he said, Jerron, I've got a check for the full amount with your name written on it. Come and get it. I didn't mow a single lawn. I didn't make a presentation to that man. I didn't even ask him. That was free. That was a gift. It was grace. But, but not only that, I was like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? And he said, here's my address. Just come to my address and then I'll give it to you there. He didn't leave me on my own to figure out how to get it. He provided me a place where I could receive that gift. That's all grace. Listen to me. All other religious thinking, your, your predominant thinking, even if it acknowledges that God has gifts for you, you will convince yourself that you've got to figure out where to get God's gifts and how to get God's gifts. But God sent you, Jesus, the place where you can freely receive all of those gifts. When God sent you, Jesus, he gave you the person, better yet, where you received the gift of being chosen. This is Ephesians 1. That means God was thinking about you way before you ever thought about him. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you the gift of being adopted. That means God saw you where you were and made you his own beloved child. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you the person where you received the gift of being redeemed. That means God sees all that you did, all of your sins, and doesn't hold it against you. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you the gift of giving, of having an inheritance. That means forever he will be yours and you will be his, when God gave you Jesus, he gave you the gift of being filled with the spirit. That's God in you, changing you. God in me, changing my heart. God in me, speaking to my soul. God in me, fixing my behavior. God in me, making me new. God in me, taking me from glory to glory. God in me, exercising power. Thank God that he gave me Jesus. Thank God that he gave me Jesus. Thank God that he gave me Jesus from hands and feet. The grace of God pours out and covers me. Thank God that he gave me Jesus. And then Paul in Romans 8 says, since God gave you Jesus, don't you think he'll also give you everything else? If he gave you Jesus, in whom all of his grace is summed up, don't you think he'll give you enough grace to have the lights turned on? Don't 
if he gave you Jesus, don't you think he'll give you enough energy to get through work and serve his church? If he gave you Jesus, don't you think he'll give you enough joy to be happy for you and share it with somebody else? The question's rhetorical. The answer's obvious. Yes. So we pray. This is a preacher story, and I'm done after this. This is a preacher story. Um, it's fake, but it proves a point. Uh, in, in Texas, uh, there is a um, drought in this little bitty town. And there's a little bitty church in this little bitty town of Texas, and there's a drought going on. And so the pastor calls for a prayer meeting. It says, we need to pray for rain because people live off of the crops around here. And so they have this prayer meeting, and the church shows up. And then the, old, the oldest woman in the church, about 90-something, her name's Martha. Martha walks in. And she's got on a rain jacket. Ain't rained in three months. She's got on. She's got an umbrella in her hand and a little hat. And so the other people in the church start snickering at her, thinking that woman's gone crazy. It hasn't rained in months. And so the pastor walks over to her to check on her. Says, "Martha, do you know where you're at? Do, are you okay? Do you need someone to take you home? Why are you wearing that?" And she says, "We praying for rain, ain't we? I came prepared. What's wrong with y'all?" That's how you ought to pray. Pray prepared. God can give you enough to live and give, so pray prepared for him to do it. Pray for God give you enough and then be prepared to give it. As you're praying for God's provision, start planning ways that you're going to give it out. Pray prepared. Listen, I'm done praying that my family have just enough to keep the lights on. No, no. I'm, I'm, I'm now praying for God to give us enough to be generous. I'm done praying for our church just to have enough to keep the lights on, just enough volunteers to make Sunday work, just enough people to do what we got to do. No, I'm praying now for our community that God give us enough of everything so that we can be generous with all of it. That's what I'm praying for your family, that God give you enough, not just to meet the bare minimum, but enough so, so that you can be ready for every good work. You can be generous in all things. I want to pray for you now. Stand up with me, please. Here's what I want to do. Um, If you're feeling a particular sense of need, lack, this is something I'm sensing I need. I feel like I don't have enough to live. Um, Just hold your hand up and we'll have people around you. If you're around someone with their hand up, could you just gather around them, put put your hands on them? I'm going to pray for all of us but also would love for us to pray in clusters. So if that is you and you're sensing some sort of need, and also our prayer team's in the room. Prayer team, could you look around for people? Um, just stick your hand up, and then we'd love to, love to pray with you. Father, you know every need. You knew the need before we were aware that it was a need. And we believe that you are able to give us all grace so that we can have enough. So I ask that you do it. Whatever needs are present in this room, I ask that you do it. I ask that you fill them. I ask that you meet them. Make the grace abound so that the, pe- the recipients of it can give it. Yeah. Whatever it is that we receive, we want enough that we can give, whether it be finances, whether it be energy, whether it be people, whether it be support, whether it be joy, encouragement, whatever it may be, rest, peace. I ask that you provide enough that we can give it and help us to see who to give it to. Open our eyes to what, what good works you want us to give to, what things you want us to be generous to. We thank you, Father. You're good to us. Amen.